0: Welcome to the Biz Power Hour podcast, where we discuss all things related to your business in sales, marketing, software, and strategy, bringing you the industry-leading experts with uncut and unedited advice, opinions, and actionable takeaways. Sit back and relax. This is the Biz Power Hour, and it begins now.
1: Welcome, everybody. This is Daniel Bushes. In this episode of the Business Power Hour, we're covering the titans of membership sites, and we have two people that I'm very excited to bring and introduce for the show today. Uh, The first person we have is Micah Mitchell. Micah, if you could give everybody just a brief introduction about yourself and your company, that'd be great.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, So I've been using Infusionsoft for 13 years now. As a customer, I did never work there. And at some point in that process, became a consultant and then kind of came onto memberships. And so we started Membarium about five years ago and I've just been doing, you know, just that, focusing on it. And it's become, you know, really popular. We've got quite a bit of reviews in the marketplace. So we just focus on making customers happy, focus on support, and obviously, you know, like I said, making the whole community work. So very happy to be here though. Thanks.
1: Yeah. No. Thank you. We also have Natalie Lucier from Access Ally. Uh, Natalie, can you give us a quick uh, overview of yourself and Access Ally?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I was a software engineering student, and I got to work on Wall Street and Silicon Valley and kind of cut my teeth in the software space. Um, But I actually didn't want to work there. So when I graduated, I turned down a job offer to work on Wall Street to start my first business about 10 years ago. And it was where I learned how to create online courses and membership sites. And from there, it really spun into the creation of Access Ally. And uh, since then, Access Ally has become the number one course and membership WordPress solution for industry leaders. And really, it's kind of from our own experience, we built it for ourselves first, and it's designed to help you sell more, teach better, and engage longer. So we'll be talking about how to do all those things today, and I'm super pumped to be here.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. So I want to start with a very basic question. Uh, Micah, I'll start with you, and then Natalie, I'll ask you to add uh, to it, please. And... For those of uh, the people that are that are listening and they're going to be watching the recording later on our podcast, uh, let's cover the basics first so there's a lot of questions around a membership site can it work in my business and what what is a membership site so let's really start with the basics of what is a membership site and we'll I'll let you two run with it from there
0: uh, all right cool so I kind of look at a membership site as anything somebody needs to be a member to access. Some people say, well, a membership site, uh, you know, some people see it as subscription revenue, like monthly revenue. You can put courses in a membership site. You can have monthly revenue in a membership site. You can put a community in there. Uh, we've had companies build software in a membership site. So anything you have to log into uh, to get to is is kind of the super basic thing. And then there's, you know, whole other parts of information marketing, but That's where I'd start. Uh, Natalie?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think whenever you kind of log in to access something, you kind of have like a member portal where you have your own version of something that is kind of individual to you. I think that's where that membership piece comes in. Um, And I think one of the other questions that's probably going to come up is kind of what... Um, makes a membership site useful. And I think that really comes down to that personalization piece of being a member. So if you log into Amazon or Google or Facebook or any of those sites, you're getting your own unique experience because you are a member of that website and you're logged in. And so I think that's when as cust- or as business owners, we can actually create that unique experience for each customer because we have their information because they're a member of our site.
1: Thank you. And so I know that uh, both of you uh, mentioned or referenced a portal, and then also there's the membership sites. So I just want to clarify before we kind of dive into different topics and uses and some strategies that you all have seen that work, um, can we clarify for or, or put to bed you know, the difference between a membership site and a portal? Because, at least from my perspective, and I'm not the expert here. here it seems like the portal and the site is pretty much the same in one with a little bit of differences. So would you agree and can you add to it? I'll start with you first, Natalie.
2: Um, yeah, so I think it's all about definition, right? So the way that you know both of our tools work is you kind of log into a site that is hosted like on WordPress, for example, but it's basically a place where you put in your username and password um, and then you have access to... Maybe it's courses, maybe it's content, but you also usually have access to your own information that you can update. And so that's kind of the piece that feels like a portal to me. Um, And it might be a portal on another system. So, you know, integrating with, say, Infusionsoft or another CRM. Um, And that's kind of how I would differentiate that portal versus membership. Michael?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Um, And a distinction that came to mind, too, for me is is there the same thing. It's a portal into a membership site, regardless of what's in there. You know, so when they say portal, it's like, well, where are you going? Into a membership site. So Perfect. it's all the same.
1: So I know there's a lot of different businesses out there that are going to be listening to this. And so it makes, it makes easy sense for, if you're selling information like courses, tutorials, things like that, that it, it translates to, you definitely need a membership site. But at least in in our agency, we've built membership uh, sites for traffic engineer, uh, engineering firms. We have built it for a multitude of of different businesses. So I'm going to start to kind of open the doors of what are some use cases that that can be used for a membership site? And let's just talk first about like. Um, different businesses maybe, or different use cases. And then we can get into the granularity of some of that stuff and functionality as well. Micah, I'll start with you since I started with Natalie last time.
0: Yeah. So for the the basic thing that everybody knows, the content thing, you know, Netflix, Hulu, all those guys, mostly they're selling access to videos. And so there's all sorts of variations in like health and wellness. You get a lot of workout sites, a lot of uh, marketing or make money sites and there's that whole information side, a lot of those information sites, um, if they're a course builder and there's a lot of semantics to these words. And so I'll try to, I'll try to make differentiation, but if they're a course builder and they're building like a one-time thing and putting it out there, that's one type of information marketing. But once it's a membership uh, or, you know, once your course, you add some things to it and start charging a monthly fee, then they start bringing in communities, um, you know, all sorts of content besides just video. And at that point, you know, it, it kind of transforms, you know, it's not just access to data. It's they're having to manage a community. They're having to manage a brand and all this other stuff. The site's a portal for that. Um, But I'd say uh, just stepping back a little bit, I think every single business needs a membership site, whether they market information or whatever they're doing, because they can train their team. So we do see a lot of internal membership sites. For example, there's a franchising company that delivers their franchise through a membership site with Memberium. Uh, there's all sorts. Like I mentioned, software. Um, I'm sure I've missed a bunch, but yeah, those are just a few that come to mind.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Natalie, I'm sure you have a couple use cases as well for different industries that have uh, used the membership site.
2: Yeah, um, so I'd love to start with an example in the physical slash retail side of things because I think people who are in that industry might be thinking, "Oh, I don't need a membership site or why would I use that if I, I sell physical products?" So there's a great example for the theornamentgirl.com. So what she has is a recurring subscription where you log into a membership site and you'll also receive a box in the mail every month, and she'll basically train you on a new craft or a new ornament, but. That she has, and she sends you all of the um, all the things that you need to make it every month. So it's a really cool combination of physical product, recurring subscription, and also the teaching side. Uh, and it's become really successful. So I think it's just a really great way to like think outside the box for a membership site that you can combine physical products with the online space too. Um, So that's one thing. And then definitely, you know, for service-based or agency-type businesses, um, we've seen people onboard their clients through a membership site. So maybe there's um, things that they need to watch or get familiar with before they start working with you. So everyone has, you know, the same lingo. They're all on the same page before they get started, or maybe signing documents or contracts. That can all be kind of automated through a membership site. And it also just makes the experience a lot more fun. Um, You can also see and track as they're going through it so you know that they're ready to go when you know the project starts so there's a lot of cool things you can do for sure
1: absolutely so i have a question for both of you mike i'll start with you and then natalie i'll ask you to um, add your insight into it so if you've got some businesses out there and i'm going to just kind of i'm going to try to throw you to a curveball here okay so say you're a contractor business and maybe it's like uh i don't know like a, a contractor that builds additions to houses or a, a pool contractor, or even like a landscaper, um, can they, can they use a membership site too? And how, w- what use cases for that example, for a contractor, could they use a membership site for their, their clients and customers?
0: Yeah. <clears throat> it's funny because I was talking to Craig Jacobson recently about exactly this. A lot of those guys, they really suck at selling. Um, and I ran a landscaping company. That's what I originally bought in fusion softwares for my, little lawn mowing company. Um, it's funny because they suck at selling, but there's a lot of money in those things. If you see a yard come in or a pool come in, that's a ton of money. And so it's worth it for them to do this. And so we were talking about how, you know, if they're doing custom pools or even custom doors or whatever it is, that they should have some videos of that stuff in a membership site and they should invite the customer and, you know, show up in their house. Usually they have this crappy flipbook or they're showing them pictures on their phone. It's like, just get their email or, or phone number, or whatever, get them access to a membership site let them look at that stuff. And if you take it a little further to customizing it for the buyer, uh, Craig was talking about how he's doing renovations to his house. And he's like, you know, I'm getting these custom made doors They're I forget like 30 or 60,000, some, some high amount. And he's like, it wouldn't hurt them to send me a little video, which they could put into that membership site. Right. And, you know, it'd be a little bit of work to get done, but these people are spending a ton of money. And so if somebody could build out a membership site as a sales tool, that's going to differentiate them, you know, from all of their competition pretty quickly. So uh, that came immediately to mind just because it was so recent. Um, But, yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I love that idea. Um, The other thing I would add on to what you've already said, Micah, is um, the concept of sort of a quiz or an assessment to kind of guide people towards the next best options for them. So some people might not know that there are higher priced offerings or that there's like five different types of pools or five different, you know, types of landscaping they can choose from or something like that. So kind of starting off with a quiz to assess what their goals are, what their needs are, maybe what their budget is. So we can kind of um, filter people out and even guide them towards those pieces of content that educate them on the options and um, how how to hire this, this firm or this company. Um, And so I think that's a great way to kind of build that personalized experience within a membership site. And you can do it, um, you know, you could do kind of a quiz outside of a membership site, too. But when you combine the two, I think it really gives it that segmentation functionality that can really help you sell better. Um, And so you're not kind of blasting everybody who's ever um, inquired to work with you with all the same generic information, you're actually tailoring it to what they said that they're interested in doing with their, um, you know, their lawn or their, (laughs) their project.
1: (laughs) I love that idea. So, Kind of what I'm hearing so far from the both of you is, hey, membership site will pretty much work for anybody, but rather than just have content behind the door, engage them and ask them to basically consume your content, whether it's doing a quiz or whether it's, it's watching a video, it's getting them to do something behind the doors of your gated site so they're engaging with the brand. And we all know as business owners and marketers that the more engagement, the deeper the relationship, which means that the less price sensitivity they'll have and the more loyal that they'll be to your brand. So, I mean, Micah, I'll start with you. What are some things that you suggest if someone's listening in and they're saying, hey, this, is, this, is, this sounds interesting. I'm interested in a membership site. What might be some things I can do to engage my clients and prospects um, using, you know, a, a membership site?
0: Yeah. um, I I guess where I'd start is there's a deeper kind of psychological thing to a membership site, which I think uh, Natalie understands really well and trains on really well, where once they're in the membership site, it's different than them, you know, consuming publicly, right? Getting a lead into that is kind of a step. And then you also can watch what they're doing. You know, you can customize their experience. You can also watch what they're doing. Right. And um, so, there's a lot of the, the technical aspects that we're talking about, but there's deeper marketing stuff going on here as well. And um, I'm sorry, I got off on the tangent. Remind me of the initial question. Yeah, sure.
1: sure. (laughs) I was, I I was deeply in tune. I was like, okay, this is good. Um, And I love that. So let's, let's talk about that real quick because I think what you brought up is, is actually really interesting. So let's talk about how you're saying, there's a transformation in a client, a customer, a client prospect, once they come in behind the doors of your membership site versus public consumption of your content. So you started to talk about that and then you kind of stopped. So what what is that difference? Like why are they consuming content differently when they're behind the doors of your membership site? And um, I know you start with that, Micah. So Natalie, I'll ask you to, to add to that as well.
2: Yeah, so this is something that we call the login opt-in strategy. So basically you get them to essentially opt in and raise their hand. And then once they're logged in, um, like you like Micah mentioned, like they're no longer just somebody off the street. Like they've actually raised their hand they're in the door. Um, and the really cool thing is that you can showcase paid content beside free content. And so it's kind of like when you go into say Amazon and you're logged in and they have recommendations for you that are tailored to what you've previously purchased. So in this case, even though you've opted in for something free, you can actually recommend things because you know what they're interested in already. So it's a great way to kind of do some cross selling or some upselling that's not too pushy. Um, and also, you know, what we've been talking about right so far is really education marketing, right? So we're really educating people and giving them a taste of what they might get when they purchase something. So that's really kind of combining the education piece and kind of giving them that customer journey within sort of a safe space that's just created for them.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And, and, uh, like I said, you, you talk about this so well, I really appreciate it, Natalie. Um, To to back to your original question of like the people who don't think it's for them. The reason this is so important is because it's not about selling content. It's about, I think your phrase of inviting them in the door. It's like, can you get them into your store? And then what can you offer and what can you do from that point? And so one other thing, you know, maybe a little bit abstract, but if I was say an attorney or if I was an accountant or any sort of professional service person, and I had no intention of selling content, I didn't even have any intention of letting people in to access my content. I still might build a course just to position myself. And that's something that, you know, if you're a con, no matter what business you're in, if you have a course and you position as a thought leader, regardless of what they do with it, that's a great piece of marketing. And then obviously you want to make it valuable. You wouldn't just build it for no reason, but I'm saying, Every business should have one from so many perspectives. Absolutely.
1: I can imagine if you're an attorney, there's probably a, a slew of documents that uh, to engage your clientele based off of specific needs that they have. Right. And so like I, I personally, I had uh, went through getting a, a, a trust right for, for my family and things like that. There's a slew of documents that I had to fill out for the attorney before she could even start the process so using your example, Micah, if she had said, hey, just log into my membership site, fill all those documents, it could have automatically gone over to her, and it could have sped up the process, and I wouldn't have had to print out a bunch of stuff then figure out, like, am I going to fax this? Who faxes nowadays? Like, am I going to snail mail it? Am I going to drive over to her office? Like, so I think that was a really, really good example, and I'm sure with accountants, with tax season coming up, hey, just drop the files over here. It's in a secure environment. Fill out you know, the questions. Like We all have to do taxes at some point in time. And so there's usually questions they ask before you file those taxes. So um, I love that example. Um, if I can just quickly cover something, um, I know this is going to be a basic question, but the reason why I'm going to ask this is I'm going to start to get into some more technical stuff. And so if... If someone wants to do a membership site, what are the things that they're going to need to use in order to make that happen, right? So, Natalie, I know you mentioned WordPress. We, obviously, you have to have that, the membership platform, whether that's Access Ally or that's Memberium. But are there anything other things that they're going to need to make even the most basic a site just up and run?
2: Yeah, I'll take this. Um, so I think, you know, everyone will probably have a different mix in their tech stack. Uh, and so that tech stack is just kind of, you know, jargon to say the different pieces that fit together end to end get, to get your business working, basically. So um, I think one of the core principles that we have at Access Ally is that we want people to have an email automation platform or a CRM, depending on what you want to call it. That's basically the hub of your customer information. And that's basically, you know, like an Infusionsoft, Keep, Um, You know, active campaign, there's a bunch of them on the market. And really, once you have that, then you want to build around that. And so you want to build your membership site that will connect to that. Um, Maybe you have a, you know, a calendar booking app, or you have something else that you need to connect. And so you'd want to connect all of those back through um, that hub of your kind of main CRM or customer relationship management system. But then also on the membership side, um, side, you'll probably want like a WordPress theme um, and you might have some other things as well to kind of make the whole thing, you know, depending on if you have contracts to sign or whatever, you might have other things that you might want to integrate as well.
1: Micah, what are some things that you suggest that at the, at the even most basic level, what should they start with? And then the follow-up question, which I'll ask you to lead into is What's, what's the different stages that they should go through when they start to build? So I kind of hit you with two questions. I apologize. The first one is to add to Natalie's what's the basics that people should start with to build their own membership site.
0: Yeah. So um, with either us or access ally, you know, it's Infusionsoft, it's WordPress, it's a web host. And pretty much at that point, if you put on one of our two plugins, you have a membership site. You know, depending on what else you want from there, you can add other plugins. A, a lot of people with Membarium, for example, use Dash. I know with Access Ally, a lot of that stuff's built in. So it's, it depends on what they want from there because we've gone into sites. And one of the questions I'll ask people getting into their site is, how many plugins do you have? And, you know, some people are like 37, you know, it's which isn't a good thing. But I'm saying it can be anywhere from you only need three things, WordPress and FusionSoft, you know, in a plugin, to you can have 50
1: okay great and um, question for you uh, do you have any themes that you all recommend that people use for their membership sites
0: um, I mean we, we kind of do uh, Natalie you go ahead and start
2: um, yeah so I'll share some of the ones that our clients love so you know we we do integrate with all themes and it just kind of comes down to what you're familiar with and what you're love doing basically, but, um, some of our favorites from our customers tend to be, um, Beaver Builder, Divi, uh, Elementor and Thrive Architect. So those are not all necessarily themes. Some of them are, you know, builders. So basically you can do a little bit more in terms of design flexibility and kind of build from the ground up. Um, but those tend to be the most popular out of what people use for the moment.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I would agree. A lot of those builders, um, are really, really popular. We work with them too. One theme theme that comes to mind is buddy boss. That's one that seems to be pretty popular because it, it has the community aspect mixed with the learning a bit.
1: Okay, cool. Um, I want to cover the community a little bit later if we have the time. So what, how do we start a membership site? What, what are like the stages or what are the things that you would suggest when someone's going to go to build? Cause obviously you've got, multitude of things that I don't want to steal your thunder by getting into some of those things. So Micah, um, I'm going to start with you. And then Natalie, I'm going to ask, you know, your opinion of it cause you may have a different process, right? So how do they start? Like what are the things or stages that they need to do to build out that site?
0: Yeah. I'll, so, you know, I do a whole presentation on the four stages of membership sites, but I'll give like the, the 15 second kind of version. The first stage in infancy is when somebody still hasn't built their site yet. And pretty much they just need a basic working site. The second stage, they really just need to sell. They have a basic working site. They have a few people logging in. They just need more. Uh, The third stage when they're um, past selling, and I'll put some numbers to this. The first stage is if you have less than 10 members. Um, The second stage, you just need to sell until you have at least 100 members. The third stage, once you have at least 100, you need to focus all on retention and then at some point when you find out you can't get more members, maybe it's 500, maybe it's more, um, then you focus on other products. Like now I need to start a mastermind. Now I need to have a whatever. And I bring this up because what most people do is they jump right to stage four. They think I'm going to start a membership site and I'm going to have bronze, silver, gold, and I'm going to have a community. And we're going to do four mastermind retreats around the world a year and blah, you know, this whole thing. Cause they saw some guru tell them that's what they should do from stage but when you're first getting started just to take all that pressure away just protect a page that's really all you need protect one page with one video um you can obviously go a lot further than that but i often tell people to start there just because it kind of breaks the ice and then they realize like oh so now to add more videos i just add more pages and, and now i can build it as big as i want yeah you know so that's that's kind of where i say start and then once it is built you know the next issue is people focus too much on overbuilding and adding bells and whistles when they really need to shift to selling. And I don't know how much you want me to go into these details, but, but that's kind of the first two stages is just get it built as basic as possible. Don't worry about all the other stuff you can, but it's going to slow you down. And then as soon as it's built, just sell, stop adding stuff to it, just sell.
1: I think you all probably see it as much as we do in our agency, which is the shiny object syndrome. And it's really hard to guide clients because they're like, and we can do this and we can do this and we can do this. It's like, we have no idea how your customers and how the visitors are going to react when they get in there. We can guesstimate based off of past data and other things and surveys, but like, let's get out the door with minimum viable products. Stop, stop trying to build the entire ship Let's get the dinghy out the door first and see if it floats, and then we'll go from there, right? So Natalie, I'm sure you've got some suggestions on that too. Mm
2: Yeah, I love the dinghy analogy for sure. Um, so I'll kind of share from our experience um, how we kind of built the ship as we were <laughs> kind of doing it. So what we did and kind of what led to the creation of Access is we were doing a free challenge. It was called the 30 Day List Building Challenge, and it's still available today. People go to 30daylistbuildingchallenge.com, but it was just 30 emails. Um, It actually wasn't even 30 emails, but it was over 30 days. I sent some emails about list building and then people said, hey, you know, we would love to get a video a day for 30 days. So I was like, "Okay, great. Um, This was totally free. So I'm like, "Okay, we'll make it a free part of our membership site. So we built a free thing. We didn't build, um, you know, five or 10 different free things. We just focused on one. And then we built, and we already had um, paid courses at that time. So we basically put a course beside the free thing in the membership site. And then that's all we did was promote the free thing and see people upgrade to our paid thing. Um, So I would say if you're just getting started, just focus on two Two pieces of content creation basically, your free thing and your paid thing. And so, your focus from there will be improving either the free thing if people are not getting enough um, value from that and upgrading to your paid content, or um, if you are getting enough people through the door on your free offer, um, improving the conversion rate for that. So, maybe it's in your follow up emails, maybe it's doing a special promotion that's like a Scarcity based thing where they get to upgrade for say two days after they first join or something like that to kind of test different offers. Um, But those would be kind of the two things your free thing and your paid thing. Just kind of optimize those, don't reinvent the wheel. Um, And like I think all of us as entrepreneurs kind of get bored sometimes. So we're like, okay, great. I've done this once and now I'm ready to create my next course or my next thing. Um, So just focus on the things you've already created, especially if they already have a little bit of leverage and a little bit of. Um, success, you already can kind of build on that as opposed to reinventing the wheel.
1: Micah, um, I'm sure you've seen some amazing things that people have done with membership sites. So do you have any stories or things that you've seen that, you know, kind of wowed you or that you thought were pretty brilliant that people have done with Memorium before?
0: Yeah, so a couple come to mind, and there's a lot of case studies on our website. So on Membarium, um, people can go and look at these case studies where we go into depth. And those are useful even if you're not going to use Membarium because we log into the back end of WordPress and I say, What other plugins are you using? What theme are you using? You know, how, let me see your campaigns in Infusionsoft. How are you marketing and all that? And what's always fun with those, so the really it's funny because success can be termed in like, you know, what's the most complicated, coolest imaginative thing. Right. Um, But one that comes to mind is really successful and cool. It's the fit father project, which is one of ours. And it's this guy who, you know, it's basically training, you know, fitness training or whatever, but he's picked his market. It's uh, dads who are kind of overage, overweight and all this kind of stuff. And so he's really got his market and he's got his backstory behind it because his dad died very young because he wasn't healthy. Um, And so So his idea is like, you know, provide fathers for their kids and all that kind of stuff. Um, But they, I don't know how many members they're at today, um, but they're headed toward 10,000 members. Wow! And the, the simplicity of the way he lays it out, you know, in that case study, he talks a lot about kind of what Natalie's saying. And I like how she made it so simple with the two things, the paid product and the free product. He really makes them, you know, he's got all this content, but he forces them to go like, hey, this is the only place to start. Like you can only start here, Period. And you can only buy this other program if you've done that first program. Period. That's it. And it's because they've tried other strategies where people have been able to bounce around and they've failed. You know, they've just not had as much success with their fitness goals and health goals. And so that's a cool one where they've kind of niched down and simplified down to create this streamlined process that's serving the masses. And I think that's what all membership site people want to do. They don't want to build the most complicated thing in the world. You know, they want whatever is going to get the masses. And so right. that's a cool one uh, to check out that comes to mind.
1: I love that. I love, I love that because when you think about it, like going back to college days, which, you know, I'm super young, that was just last year. <laughs> but um, you know, when you enroll in college, it's like you start here, you have to do this application. And after this application, you are a freshman, you have to take these classes. So basically they set a structured Ascension plan And if you think about it from a business perspective, the thing that's really cool is the college is going to know their stats. They're going to know how many people drop out after the first semester, second semester, how many people make it to graduation. So they can forecast revenue and they can also see based off of like attrition for, you know, students, which are really customers moving through their entire pipeline. And so I love that example, Mike, because really that's what Fit Fathers doing in a roundabout way. It's like, this is the starting point. This is the ascension plan. He already knows if you come in the door, what statistically his average or his probability is to have you convert. And so he can figure out already from a very easy um, perspective, what his customer lifetime value is going to be, because you're coming in the door with one thing and you're following one path, which we all know if you follow story brand at all, it's, Keep it really simple. Give them a simple plan. They're going to understand it. It's not going to make their brain work too much, and then they're going to follow along if they see the success in it. So, Natalie, I'm sure you've got some really cool examples as well, so I definitely want to hear some from you as, as also.
2: Yeah, actually, this is perfect for what you just both of you just talked about. Um, so this is an example of Melissa Ramos from sexyfoodtherapy.com. So she has a hormone therapy membership site. And what she noticed was that, you know, people would sign up for her membership site and then everything would be unlocked all at once. So they had access to just all the content on day one. Um, And she imagined that doing the monthly coaching and kind of the Facebook group that went along with her membership site would be enough to keep people on board and staying month to month. Um, But she was seeing about 15% churn where people would be signing up and then within three months they'd be gone. And so she realized, okay, well let me um, reassess and figure out, you know, what's happening. You know, where are people dropping off? Why are they quitting? And especially with something like, you know, changing your nutrition and trying to affect your hormones, it doesn't happen in three months. It doesn't happen quickly. So what she ended up doing is she created a quiz in Access Ally where um, you first figure out what your hormone issues are. And from there, you get guided to the right section of the site. And you can't see any of the other sections. So they're kind of grayed out. Um, and so when I went through her membership site, you know, I'm pregnant right now. So I'm in the pregnancy um, section. So I don't need to worry about all the other stuff. Uh, and so all of the things are tailored to what you're actually dealing with. And then she also broke down all the content week by week. So you don't have access to all the content on day one. It's all week by week. So you don't have to get overwhelmed with, oh, man, like I have to do all of these different things. And go grocery shopping and try all these different um, exercises. You just have one thing to do every single week, so it really reduced overwhelm. Um, and so, because of the changes she made in her membership site, she saw the churn go down to five percent, and wow. that's huge for anyone who has a membership where you know you're constantly trying to get people in the door, but if you're losing them at the other end, it's really hard to build and to grow. So um, it's just you know, for anyone, no matter which tool you're using, you can really think about that: how can you drip content? out over time, as opposed to just giving it all on day one, that will really help. And then also just thinking about, is it the tailored experience that makes sense for that particular person?
0: love it.
1: So a question for you, because I know, I know some marketers that are listening are going to say, um, okay, well, if the customer wants to move faster, maybe we should let them move faster. So and everybody has a different demographic and use case. So it's not, it's one size is never fits all right. Um, have you seen anything where no, they need to follow this cadence and it works better. I mean, do you have any feedback for that? I know it's a really generic and broad question.
2: Um, yeah, so I think some cases it makes total sense to have it, um, you know, be at their own pace. So for example, in our 30 day list building challenge. So it was one video a day for 30 days, but people kept saying like, I want it faster. Like I'm really keen. I want to get going. So what we actually did, because it was a free challenge, we offered a fast track where you could pay to unlock all the videos on day one. Wow, um, and cool. We had about 4% of people take us up on that. So, um, I think in some cases, if it's not, you know, a long-term lifestyle change, it probably makes sense to give people that option to unlock things faster. Um, and you can also do it progress-based. So you could do it where if you've finished watching the video, you can unlock the next one right away. So it's kind of go at your own pace. Um, but what we've actually found from our testing is that having a cadence, depending on how much content it is, is actually more likely to get people to consume it than if you just let them go at their own pace. That's kind of from our own testing.
1: Right. So I have a couple questions that are starting to come in. And so the first one is um, this gentleman asked about the movement to mobile and how that impacts membership sites. So Micah, do you want to, do you want to start with that question about um, the mobile impact with membership sites?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, It's I'll be honest. I'm not like a, an early adopter of things. Some people, (laughs) Ryan Chapman calls me a tech Luddite. Um, So I wasn't, the first person to get mobile apps and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not big on it, but you know, now it's gotten to me. And I know for years I've heard people talk about how you have to build everything mobile first. You know, the desktop experience will benefit from it being built from a mobile experience anyway. So you might as well. Um, but now I think it is getting to the point where uh, you know, for us, I don't know where we'll end up. There's, there's other projects out there like app Presser that we work well with that builds mobile apps, but I think it's been over a year since mobile consumption overtook desktop consumption for membership sites. Um, And so, yeah, I I guess that's my, my thoughts on it in general is, you know, it's not like Membarium will build you a mobile app today. Uh, We're aware of it. We know app but it is going to be the most important thing pretty soon. And it doesn't mean it has to be a mobile app because um, there's a, there's a lot of confusion. People will say like, is Membarium, you know, does it work with mobile? And it's like, well, yeah, your website, your website should be mobile responsive. And most themes are mobile responsive. You want to test it extensively. So people still use memberships right now on the phone. um, but I think pretty soon it's going to be app based and there's, there's a lot of evidence and there's a lot of new capabilities that come up when you are app based, like push notifications and things like that. So if you think of, you know, I'm sure most people have a Netflix app on their phone or iPad or whatever. Um, do you really go on your phone to Safari and open Netflix and log in to watch your videos? Like you would never do that, right? You just wouldn't. And so that's why I say pretty soon it'll overtake everything. It's not there yet, but it's coming.
1: Yeah. You brought up a really good point. Um, And something that's interesting that honestly I didn't even know about. So you're saying what you've noticed in the trends is that um, membership site consumption is now primarily driven through mobile. I wouldn't have expected that. So that's what you guys are seeing over at Mimberium is that people are consuming membership site content on mobile devices rather than sitting in front of like a a laptop or a desktop.
0: So we don't get the consumption stats ourselves, um, but I actually got this from Justin and it's like a wider, you know, e-learning statistic.
1: Okay. Gotcha. Wow. That's pretty interesting. Um, Natalie, um, I'm sure that you've seen some things too for in regards to mobile and the impact for membership sites.
2: Yeah, so one of the biggest issues that we found um, – you know, and experienced ourselves is when you want to log into a membership site on your phone or on your tablet, and maybe your password is stored on your computer or whatnot, it can kind of cause some friction to kind of log back into the membership site. So, what we've built into Access Ally is called Snappy Login Links. So, you can go to the membership site, you know, members.whatever.com, whatever the website is, and then click Send Me a Link, and it'll send you a link to your email, which everyone has on their phone or their mobile device. When they click that, you'll automatically be logged in. Into the membership site. So that's kind of one way that we're overcoming um, some of the mobile kind of typing your password (laughs) kind of issues that people might have on a smaller device. Um, But yeah, I totally agree with Micah. You know, some people want to kind of skin their membership site and put it into an app. And there's, you know, definitely tools that do that. Um, But I think at the moment, it's still, you know, people will click a link, get the link from their email and then log into the membership site and consume the content pretty easily that way.
1: That's a great point. Um Greg Jenkins um asks a, a question for both of you. So um, Natalie, I'll start with you and then uh, Mike, I'll definitely ask you to, to add your input as well. So uh, Greg asks, can you expand a little bit on the idea of how you can craft a journey inside the membership experience? Okay.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, when you think about the journey, um, the first is obviously an opt-in or it could be directly paid if they sign up, you know, if they're already a customer. Um, But I think a lot of it comes down to what you want them to do once they're in that membership site. Do you want them to consume content? Do you want them to be motivated? Do you want to give them easy wins early on? Um, And so those, I think, are all things that we want to do early so that people feel like a little bit of that endorphin reward system um, that'll kind of keep them going going. Um, and then from there, you know, what are the next steps for them in really kind of painting that picture and making it really obvious so that they can click through to the next thing um, once they've finished consuming your free content. And this is my kind of pro tip um, just from doing a 30-day experience for our, our clients for free, make it shorter. It doesn't have to be 30 days. It doesn't have to be a ton of content for it to be really valuable because you want people to be able to consume the free stuff and then move on to the paid stuff. So just kind of thinking about that as you design, your, your videos or your pdfs or whatever it is is going to be a part of the free aspect of your membership site and then also how it naturally leads into the next thing so it has to be connected right it can't be two different um audiences or two different topics
0: Micah, yeah no sorry i was just listening got kind of sucked in there for a minute but um it's it, it is a really broad topic and I've had a lot of interesting conversations around this, especially with people who've been producing content for years and years, because there's almost a journey of they create their first course and they have a little bit of content and then maybe they create a second or a third course. And then they think, well, I've got enough courses. Maybe this is now a membership uh, or uh, in the case of digital marketer, it was interesting. At one point they transitioned to, now we're going to do certifications, you know, so it used to be, here's a library of content, now a certification based. And so, there's so many customer journeys and it's kind of funny because initially when you have only a little bit of content it's so simple. And then when you get more content, Natalie mentioned the example where she had a a client who gave them a quiz first and then put them in, you know, guided them through the library basically based on their quiz. So it kind of depends on how much content you have. I would also say it depends a little bit on the shelf life of your content. So if somebody makes content about sewing, that's not as likely to change as if you, Daniel, make a membership site about Infusionsoft, right? They just change their brand to keep, you have to change all your videos. Yes. So, so there's like a shelf life and then there's a volume of content. And then it's also, what are we doing? Are we certifying? Are we trying to create a long-term relationship, like a, a membership a community? Um, so it depends a little, but what I'd say, and I, I know Greg's um, very, very experienced what I'd say is, uh, it's going to change. So you might model out your ideal, perfect customer journey on paper and then say, well, you know, what can I build today? Or what's like a phase one and what does that phase one journey look like? So, so that somebody who does go through phase one before the rest of it's built does have a sense of completion. Um, and then, you know, kind of tack on the other phases. So I, I know that's kind of a wandering answer, but I hope it's helpful.
1: Now, I'm not an expert in this, so I'm just going to ask some questions because as you two are talking, I'm just, you know, my creative mind is like spinning and I'm thinking of ideas and things like that. So if you get someone into a course, so let's just say for all intents and purposes, it's 30 hours, whatever that ends up being, if it's it translates to days or, or whatever. And so can you sprinkle in teasers for the next thing for like your next course that you want them to go and can you even put in like a survey so they feel like they have to fill it out because it's part of the course but really what you're doing is you're figuring out where the fork in the road that you're going to sell them on the next thing is like would you suggest anything like that for helping to craft a, a customer experience and move them through the journey in the membership site
2: Yes, (laughs) I feel like those are, those are definitely, um, it makes sense. And you like, I think weaving that throughout your content is going to feel a lot more organic and natural. Um, And also just having an open-ended kind of survey. Um, You know, we have something called private notes where it's basically just between the student or the person going through and the site owner. So it doesn't get shared with anyone else Um, is a great way to kind of collect that feedback and just use the exact, sorry, the exact words that the people are going to be um, describing their issues or kind of what they need help with. And that way, you know, if you're on the right track. Um, And so you can do kind of those open-ended questions. You can do more kind of a quiz type question Um, and really guide it. And you can even do um, an assessment to tell if they're, you know, qualified for one um, offer or another. So for example, if they're a beginner, intermediate or advanced, it might make sense to kind of funnel them to a different part of the site or a different part of an an offer as well. Um, And so those are all really, I think, useful things to do. And then it just gives them their own feedback, right? So they know if they're on track, if they're learning, um, if they have more to go. And it kind of like self kind of, you know, gets them ready to say, yeah, I'm ready to, to take the next step and to sign up for something else.
1: Have either of you two found that doing something like, um, okay, so I don't stumble through trying to explain it. One of the things we do in our agency, because usually the process to, to create like, great sites and marketing campaigns, there's a lot of steps. And so usually what we do to make them feel like they're not starting from, from step one, because no one wants to start from step one, it's scary, is to basically be like, you've done this and you've done this and you're at like step three. Reality, they're step one with us, but we make them feel like they're at step three because it's like, hey, look, you only have like four more steps or whatever. And it's like, wow, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm halfway done here or like whatever thing. Um, Have you found that anything like that, and I don't want to call that gamification because it's not really, but have you found anything like that kind of works um, for membership sites in their favor of having like that step in, like, you've already completed this one?
0: Oh, yeah. So um, this is something that I present on sometimes. I think it's called the endowed progress effect. So if you endow them with a sense of progress, then they have what's called task tension in their mind. And it's the idea that a task that's been started weighs more on your mind and you think about it more than a task that you have not yet started. And so, for example, when they log in, we say, hey, congratulations, one checkmark, you bought two checkmarks, you logged in, you know, watch the welcome video, three checkmarks, because we're trying to get them wins. And I think a lot of the you know, there's, there's kind of a overlap between what you would call learning management and gamification and courses and all this, but a lot of the progress bars and check marks and things like that are built to give them a sense of perceived progress. So they feel like what they're doing is worth it. And if they just watch a little more, they get some sort of reward. Um, there's a whole lot you can do with that. Um, yeah, so if you look it up though, uh, a good example is like a car wash card. So I'll try to make this image. But if you imagine a car wash card and it's got 10 stamps on it, if somebody gives that to you, it's not worth anything. But if they stamp two of them and give it to you and say, when you get all these stamps, you get a free car wash or a free drink or whatever, if it's already got a few stamps on it, then it has some sort of value. Meaning now I only have to do 80% of the work to get this thing versus 100% of the work. And so what you do, like using the car wash thing, is you would say, well, really they only have to get eight, so why don't we put fourteen on there and pre-check four of them? If you want to, that's a little gimmicky, but but that um, concept, the endowed progress effect, definitely does work.
1: I love that example. I, you know, because if you think about it, like if you give me a car wash card and it has nothing punched in it, I'm literally going to throw it away. I'm like, this has no value to me. But if you've already punched two, even though you might have to get eight more in your example. It, it immediately transcends and has now value that I'm going to hold on to it. And then it's the progress of like, hey, I'm going to make sure I'm going to get my punch, my, my, my think punch, because now I'm moving towards getting this end result of this, this free thing, this valuable thing. Natalie, do you have something to add to that? Because we also have another question as well coming in.
2: Yeah, real quick. um, I think LinkedIn does this, you know, in a great way where when you first sign up, you're actually at 50% of filling in your profile just with your name. Um, So I think it's the same for the membership site. Um, But if we wanted to get into gamification, you could start people off with points already when they log in the first time. Um, And then it could just be like each login, they get a point or, you know, something really simple that motivates them to keep doing it. And I think it's kind of building the habit of like, I'm going to log in, I'm going to consume content. Content, and I'm going to get rewarded for it. So I think it's kind of building that um, and it kind of adding into what, like uh, I said, I think it's really helpful for people.
1: Yeah, and without getting into too technical details, I would imagine that using whatever marketing automation or whatever that you have, there's a way that you could actually track to see they've logged in two times, three times, whatever, and then actually send them either a personalized pre-produced video, uh, personalized as in just saying thank you, not saying their name in it, Um, or like even an email as well saying like, Hey, this is awesome. Like you've logged in X amount of times over, you know, whatever the the cadence or the, the days are. So acknowledging them, going back to the, both of what you were saying earlier is that the personalized experience. So it's not just like logging into an open void, right? Like it's definitely personalized. Cool. So there's a question that comes in from Jason Lee um, and he's got a couple points in this question here. So what he's asking is, what's the startup cost for these membership sites? And then um, he references you, Mike, and he says, if you take what Micah outlined the different stages, what are those costs? And so he's kind of saying like a basic site with less than 20 members, um, a selling site with 100 members and going through. So he's kind of wondering like a ballpark of a comparison against, uh, and I won't mention other platforms, but he's saying like, what's a ballpark and cost to, to get like, and let's just start. Cause I know there's a lot of uh, points to that question just to get a basic membership site up and running. And I know this is a really broad question because it based off the content and the, the tools that you're going to use for that. But what might that look like for just something basic?
0: Yeah. So the costs of the software really aren't it, you know, um, Infusionsoft obviously can be a little expensive. I assume people on this call are using it, uh, but if not, 300 bucks a month or so. Uh, So let's say that your tech stack might cost you on the high end 500 bucks, including your host, your CRM, your plugins, themes, whatever else. It's really more the time um, that you're going to spend doing it. And so when you ask about budgets, it really comes down to the person. What I tell people a lot of the time with Membarium as an example is, if you know WordPress and you know Infusionsoft, you basically know Membarium because that's, that's all we're doing is saying if this, then that, you know. Um, meaning if this tag in Infusionsoft, then they have access to this page in WordPress for the most part. Lots of other stuff. But, but if somebody has that experience, they can come in and run up a membership site in a day um, at, at no cost themselves. Now, what I'm calling a membership site is it's just the, the container, right? They still have to make their content and edit it and put whatever value into it. But I've seen a lot of consultants charge, you know, 5,000 is maybe a, a starting ish point. You might be able to get a little lower, but what they're doing for you in a lot of those cases is they're really building you the website. The membership aspect of it is not that much. So if you already have a WordPress site, for example, then you can just put either of our plugins on that existing WordPress site. Now your site is a membership site. You don't have to build another one. You don't have to get more design. You can just now protect areas of your site. So it really depends on their starting point and their experience. I'm not trying to dodge it. I just know I'll get killed if I answer this specifically without any detail. Um, I, yeah. And,
1: yeah. And I'll go out on a limb just to say, you know, if you don't have uh, – pretty much everybody should have a, a website. And if it's not on WordPress, then you you all correct me if I'm wrong, you should have your membership site on WordPress. And if you do – You're obviously going to need hosting of the website, whatever that is. That's up to you to find that out. You'll need to get a license of Muberium or Access Ally. Um, At the end of this call, we'll give them um, information how to learn more about your sites, and and they can explore demos and pricing and all that stuff. Um, And then you're going to need some kind of automation to run that as well. Um, In FusionSoft or Keep, can be as low as $99 a month, but then you're getting into like, are you doing e-commerce? How many users? How many contacts? Active campaign. There's a bunch of other um, platforms that have similar pricing. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say anywhere from $700 to $1,000 seems kind of fair just to buy your technology. But the beautiful thing that I at least say, and this isn't about me, but... Um, I always say to clients is, look, if you build evergreen content and you start simple with minimum viable product, the beautiful thing is this thing's going to sell for you forever. Or as long as you have it up, it's going to work for you. Sure, you may have to make some tweaks or revisions, but you just don't drive your car forever and never get an oil change or never fill up the gas tank again, right? Like that would be insane. So it's the same thing with your content and everything else. Um, Natalie, I know we're kind of getting towards the end, but I wanted to make sure that uh, you had a chance to answer that question as well.
2: Yeah. So a good lens that I like to give people is good, better, best, right? So when you're just getting started, you can invest time or money. You're going to pay for your tech stack no matter what, but you're going to invest probably more time because you have the time uh, in the beginning to kind of figure things out and get going with the tech. Um, If you're less technically savvy and you want to hire it out, there's kind of a better option where you might get a, a template or kind of work with someone that has sort of a pre-made way of getting getting going so you don't have to design something from scratch and you just drop in your content. And then the best option, you know, as your business has grown, and you're able to reinvest is when you work with an agency, when you work with someone that will do a custom design or a custom build or custom automations or whatever it is that you kind of have a bigger vision for your site. So in the beginning, you're able to kind of get started with a smaller budget and kind of bootstrap. And then over time, you're able to kind of upgrade and get the more customized um, version of your site been running
1: and I think one of the important things that a lot of people overlook is that regardless whether you're using access ally or memberium you own your content right you own everything you own the platform that you're building you own the content that's in there and so if you if you build on another platform you actually don't own your content like if they decide that tomorrow they don't like your content it's done, like your content's not, um, you don't own it, like it's not housed on your own server or your are hosting environment. And so you're at the whim of whatever they want to do at whatever point in time. So I think that's a really big differentiation that a lot of people overlook that using Access island or Miriam, Mer- you control everything. It might seem like initially it's a tad bit more work than like some like, you know, pre-built thing, but the difference is, is, is critical, is you control it, you own it, and you can build it however you want. You don't have to hope that maybe they'll release some feature in the future that you can do this next thing or whatever, right? And so I think that's really, really important. Um, I'm going to ask a final question. This is, this is my question that's coming to you all. Because one of the things that we're starting to do that I think kind of makes sense is I know for most people that are driving paid traffic, they're, they're doing landing pages. And for anyone who's listening and doesn't know what a landing page is, it's a dedicated page to direct traffic that has a very specific um, request or call to action for them to do, right? And so one of the things we're doing is, why should we run around building a bunch of um, landing pages that are gonna have some kind of valuable offer on the other end in exchange for email or whatever you're asking, why not use a membership site to do that? Because you can control what they see on the other end, right? So why build a bunch of like one-off islands when you can build an entire continent using a membership site? So um, Micah, I'll start with you. Do you. Have you seen people do that? I mean, does that sound like a good idea?
0: Uh, it definitely does. So there's one of the ways to look at it, um, especially for people who are starting to get serious is, I'll tell them, yes, you can put it all together in one single site. Um, but I do usually recommend the membership site being a separate subdomain for a couple of reasons. It cleans up your navigation, but it also makes both sites run faster because no single site is running all the plugins, like all the marketing plugins and all the membership plugins. So that's a little bit of a technical like split to say that you might put them in separate sites, but you want the experience to seem like one single experience. right? And anywhere you can put that experience in a membership site, you do. The moment you know who they are, you're always trying to get them to authenticate. Even if they don't know they're authenticated, they don't need to know. Like they can. We have auto-login links, for example, where we email them and they click and you, know, you can tell them it's an auto-login, but you don't necessarily have to um, when they get to that page. But again, you're, you're seeing what they're doing and you're able to kind of get feedback and present a customized experience whether or not they know they're in a membership site. But I would say the moment you can get them in, you do. Absolutely. Natalie?
2: Yeah, um, I like to think about that sort of as your content library or your resource opt-in library, whatever you want to call it. But uh, if you have different opt-ins, kind of put them all under one roof inside your membership site, and you can either unlock it immediately once they opt-in once, or um, you can have them kind of click again, and then that way you know that they're interested in different topics um, if they're all in kind of different categories, for example. Um, So I think it's a great way to go, and you can also kind of – decide what you want your membership site to feel like, right? So if you want to call it the library or the academy or the school, or um, maybe it's like, you know, the backyard, because it's a pool company, you know, there's like different ways you can kind of frame your membership site to give it a cool feeling um, of being somewhere to kind of get the content as well.
1: Yeah. I think that's, both of you had great insight and input to that because, it's crazy. A lot of people are spending a bunch of money because they, they, they need to get new leads. They want to get new leads. And so they're hoping those leads from their paid advertising is going to translate to more revenue. And so they'll drive them to a landing page for, for some offer, download this ebook, get this special thing, whatever. And then that's it. That just sends them a confirmation and it sends them an email for that. And so it's like, well, hold on. You've got this person to stop what they're doing on Facebook or wherever, right? And then they're engaging with you and you're going to stop the engagement? Like, that sounds crazy. Like, why would you do that? Like, they're engaging with you. Give them the opportunity to continue to engage with you and then let them on their own terms walk away. But don't don't start a conversation and the conversation's going well. And they're like, okay, see you later and walk away. So I think there's a a lot of potential lost revenue from people that are kind of doing like, Oh, here's a landing page. And like, and then that's it. Like I'm going to email you your thing, or I'm going to try to immediately now sell you and then go back to whatever you're doing, put them in a membership site, control the experience and then let them consume, let them do whatever they want. You can always follow up with email and everything else later. Well, I want to be respectful of both of your times So um, what I'd like to do now is I know that people are watching are probably saying like, how can I learn more about both of these platforms? And so Micah, how, how can people learn more about Mimberium? Where would they go? What would they do?
0: So, yeah, I would just say if you go to Mimberium.com slash demo, that's where you can actually kind of experience it and see some videos about it and whatnot, but also feel free to reach out to our support team and explain what you're trying to do. And they can give you, you know, more ideas, kind of tell you where to start. And those those things, we have a really super responsive support team. So feel free to reach out with questions as well.
1: That's great. And the support team, should they reach out to you guys on Facebook or just through your website? Like what would be the best best way to do that for people that maybe have a couple questions that have um, come up from this conversation today?
0: Yeah, so um, great question. Actually, Facebook, we kind of see as a discussion area. And so that might be a great place to say, Hey, this is what I'm trying to do, but obviously it's a little bit public. Um, we do try to push everything into support. So you so I would say, you know, try support on our website or just email support at Mandarium, whatever your questions are. Um, but yeah, and Facebook, if you want the community's feedback as well, I'd, I'd go in there cause supports in there also.
1: Awesome. And Natalie, how can people learn more about access ally and how they, how they can find you and if they have questions where, where might they go?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So accessally.com, they'll just find all the information on there. Um, We do have a showcase page, so you can kind of see examples of different membership sites and different styles that you might get inspired by and kind of see what's possible with Access Ally. Um, And we can also jump on a live demo with you if you want to see. So you can book a demo. You can take a look at our demo videos. So there's tons of great resources there, too. Um, But obviously, if you have questions, you can email us at your at accessally.com. Awesome.
1: This has been super helpful. Um, I loved having both of you on. So thank you. I know your time is very valuable and I wish you the best of luck for the rest of your day. So thank you for uh, being on the business power
2: hour.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having us. Good to see you guys. Good to see you, Natalie. Bye guys.
2: Thanks so much. Bye. <laughs> the business power hour is
0: produced by built by love to find out more about future episodes, To apply to be a guest on the show or to simply ask a question, please visit bizpowerhour.com.